Hello and welcome back to Down the Slope. We got another point on the board, not quite the win that we got last week, but we're happy enough. And as you can see, we got the familiar face, Liam, but we're also joined by Dave. Dave, I think this is your first time on a non-transfer slash manager, Eric? Probably, probably. You've taken your time getting me on, but I'm finally <laughs> here to bring hey. some sense to precedents. Indeed, Dave's, but, a, Dave's um, a very own dull inventor, just sitting on the bench, just waiting, to, <laughs> just wait, waiting to get the call for Monty. Yeah, but, uh, right. Wait until like... Go. One minute before filming. All right, come on, Dave. <laughs> uh, and the good news is as well, Dave's a killer, so I know that we're me and Liam are both going to get shots taken at us. Maybe uh, Venti could get on board with that. Um, but Dave, just before we get started with the Aberdeen game, um, just thinking of Montgomery, every time we're getting someone on, we're kind of getting different thoughts. Um, so between now and the end of the season, regardless of what you thought of Montgomery so far, what can he do from here um, that you would deem as a success? Like, is anything less than top six now failure, or is there anything he can do that you can see as success between now and the end of the season? It's a it's a tricky one. Uh, I know that there's you know if you look at Twitter and you look at the forums, is there's kind of like an opinion building against them now. But I try not to pay much attention to other people's opinions, as you know. Uh, I think it has to be top six. Anything below top six is will be seen as a failure. It's hard not for that to be seen as a failure, even setting aside all the things he's had to do and not being his team and all that kind of stuff. And you can see, for me, you can see in the last couple of games that there's definitely an improvement in the way we're playing and the style we're playing and all the rest of it. It's a bit more faster, it's a bit more direct. But I think anybody, I think the vast majority of fans will see anything outside the top six as a failure. But but that's not to say I want him to go. Because... I thought this season was going to be a failure no matter what, to be honest, just because of what we've been through the, the year before with that man who should never be mentioned. And, you know, I think I think I just think we've got to give him a summer to bring in the type of players he wants to bring in and build a squad and then see where we are in a year's time. Otherwise, we just go round and round in this circle, which is really boring, to be honest. And you know what? Let's 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 lead on that. One of one of the listener questions that we got sent in. Let's go, let's go early with a listener question. Um, Aki sent and Liam pointed out the other day that our squad's very imbalanced. Is that a byproduct of the fact that we've hired and sacked managers with very different styles and created a pick and mix of players that don't really fit together? And um, what can we do to fix that? So, as what Dave said there, Liam, in your opinion, correct? Like, just stick with the manager regardless of how the rest of the season goes. I, I think so. I think I think. To, to, to Aki's question, I think it's imbalanced. And what I mean by imbalanced is it's not just imbalanced in terms of players and positions. It's imbalanced in terms of like levels of experience. It's imbalanced in terms of we've seemed to be operating with three or four different recruitment strategies for the last four years. We've had this sort of short-term recruitment strategy that's running alongside a long-term recruitment strategy. It just seems to be that everything is just so higgledy-piggledy and has been for quite a while that that the imbalance is, is not created by one individual, it's created by a collective of individuals. And even Brian McDermott's only really had two transfer windows to correct, what, 13, 14 players Lee Johnson brought in the summer before that, and then another host of players again in the winter window. And a lot of the guys that are, well, not so much this weekend, admittedly, but some of the guys that have been playing for us this season are going back three or four managers worth of players that are still playing. Um, so I, th I, th I think... The imbalance is, is something that the club have created by not really having a clear plan and sticking to it. And what Dave's saying is by backing Montgomery, we would have a clear plan and actually stick to it this time. Yeah. Um, and Dave, obviously, it's kind of difficult, as we've touched on. Um, we've not really seen like Montgomery have very long with his own players. But do you think, given a summer, is he someone in his profile, is it someone that gives you confidence that we could do something good if he sticks, if we stick with Montgomery? Kudos, right? But I like him, right? And that's always a start. Right? I think he's relatively straightforward. He's less bullshit than uh, who we've had in the past. Uh, I don't fall into the to the trap of the, oh, he just plays the four four two thing. I think that's been nonsense from the very beginning. The people have just climbed on board and used that as a stick to beat him with. It was hardly ever four four two even before he's made the, the slight changes that he's made. Uh and and just going back to that point about transfer thing, if, if you go to another manager again, it is that whole thing that he could have a completely different way of playing. And then suddenly it's your 12 players again you have to replace. 
We can't keep doing it. We have to, you know, the, the teams that, that get success generally stick with a manager and allow him to get some of his players in, right? Even your Jambos and all the rest of it, right? There's plenty Hearts fans that want to rid of him and probably still plenty do, to be honest. But he's getting time to build a team up and getting there. So, you know, it just... I would like to think if he gets a, the, the the style of player that we've seen even since January, uh, the laddie Welsh looks different different levels to what we're used to having there. Uh, if we can get players to that kind of that kind of quality and that kind of athleticism, then I think you'll see a, a different team next season, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Nice. And congrats on being the first person ever to say the word athleticism on the podcast on a podcast episode before Liam has. That is definitely impressive. Um, but yeah, moving on to the game at the weekend. Um, I think going into it, if we t- if a draw was offered, we might have taken it ahead of the game. I know it did feel like must win, but going at Pataudry, never an easy game. Um, and Liam hit me with a stat. Apparently that's our seventh 2-2 draw this season. That is absolutely mental to me. Like that's that's crazy. And it definitely it's a sign of a team that can't win or lose and it's just kind of stuck in the middle ground um but just to make it a bit different let's talk about the two goals have scored um and just before we break them down billy king the north sent in is var sucking the enjoyment out of the game both goals were hard to celebrate and enjoy over fears of being ruled out um so for both goals i was i was sat watching from um mainland Europe of course um, but I, I didn't actually celebrate either of the goals I, I did uh, for the first one I thought just with the way the tempo slowed down I thought he was offside the second one it looked initially miles offside as soon as I beat a uh, chipped it um, did it stop either of you guys celebrating in full and do you guys just kind of wish we could get rid or what What do you take on VAR I'll never not not celebrate because of VAR that's just Nonsense. I've never seen anybody sit in a game, for example, and go, Oh, hang on, guys, let's let's wait until the bar comes through. No, you're jumping about and waiting for the disappointment. Yeah. You know, it's not that you don't just celebrate. Uh listen, the the bar thing's not going away, so we just have to suck it up. It helped it probably helped us at the weekend, in fact. Well, it did for our uh second goal. And uh and it probably didn't, obviously, for the penalty. But you know, you just have to suck it up and get used to it. Nothing's gonna change. And Liam, talk to me about the goals. Like two, two really good goals in the end. Um, a bit of individual brilliance from a couple of players, and um, that led to them. Uh, what goal did you think was the pick of the two? And talk ah, definitely it. the second one. Definitely the second one in terms of the interplay. It was involved. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really good move down the left hand side. And I think we've seen, especially over the last few months, just what Jordan Abita brings to this team in an attacking sense. I think he is the one summer signing that you can absolutely pin down as a success. Um, even though he had, you know, some trouble with injury at the start and kind of get up to speed, the, the the quality that he possesses with that left foot and his ability to get him down, he's, he's tailor made to play left wing, left back or left wing back in this league. To be honest, um, with the ability he's got, it's a pity actually that we've not got more players on the end of his crosses. That little exchange of play with him and Yule's brilliant. Having said that, it still relies on an absolutely horrific bit of defending for Nicky Devlin, who had an all-timer at the weekend. He had an absolute fucking nuke, and they were talking about in sports scene like he had a great game. He had an absolute nuke, and he should... I mean, well, I'm not going to talk about the penalty checks, we'll talk about that, but it relies on that. And the, the, the quality and the composure from Newell just to pick Emiliano out is really good as well. So it's just a really good team going. To be honest, we've, we've had quite a lot of moves like that over the last few weeks, but the final pass has kind of let us down on quite a few occasions. That's one one occasion where actually the final pass was there, and it was it's just a really satisfying goal to watch when you pass it into the net like that. Hey. It's also two or three in the middle of the box at that point as well, which we've not had for a long time. So, you know, we've been shouting for years, get to the byline and get the ball in, right? There's three of them, potentially, that he could have played that ball to. And luckily, it just went straight to his feet. But if it doesn't go to him, there's two other guys who could have went to. It's just if you get people in there, you know, and, and then get the ball in, then you've got half a chance. So that's been, you know, a bit of the issue. I actually really loved the first goal. I thought the work from uh, Melida was absolutely superb. Like he's he's up against a you know a, a big defender, handles him easily, turns him, and then the the way they pass into Boyle is 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 perfect. Just sets it all up perfect for him. There were two really good goals to be fair, but we just need more of it. And obviously Venti will probably come on to him in a bit. Um, but with that play from Mali though, that's something that we've not really seen from Venti in great doses. Do you think that's the reason that he's probably getting the nod up front instead? Hundred percent. He's got that additional strength. I didn't even re- recognise him about him before he came in. Just on the highlights, I hadn't seen that that level of strength in the one-on-one side against the against defenders. But he definitely has that, which I don't think you've seen that from Venti at all yet. 
Uh, Venti does most of his hard defensive work, unfortunately, in our half when he plays. But uh, yeah, I think that's the main reason why he's not playing up top. Although, I know you, I don't know if you're going to talk about Venti, but how he doesn't get on before uh, our friend Jair is just, I find absurd. I would play him every time, every day, every game, every minute ahead of Jair. That's just madness. Even yeah. on the left wing. Even, even on, on the left wing. On the right wing. Uh, just, just, uh, I, I don't want to make it about Jair because I think it's a bit harsh, but uh, to, to, uh, that making that substitution so early in the second half definitely hampered us. Yeah, I don't want to turn into a Jair bashing session, but from the strengths and the reason that we bring in someone like Vente is when you need a goal, that's the player that you want to bring on the park. Like, you don't want to bring, like, Jair... As, although he's had a better season, he's definitely dipped in the last five, six games that he's made appearances in. And I know Venti does look a bit short of confidence, but we've paid big bucks as far as Hibs are concerned for him to bring us goals. So the fact that he's not been brought on there is a bit worrying for me. I, I don't know if that's potential like signs of a falling out with the manager, if there's something like, you know, when Lee Johnson was putting players on the bench that weren't fit to play at the start of the season, we were getting really wound up by it. For me, from a fan's perspective, if there's a player on the bench, they should be able to be brought on. Like that's just common sense for me. I, I, that that did really wind me up at the weekend because Venti, if anybody was through one on one, he'd be the player. Even though he's not been great of late, he'd be the player I want having that opportunity. Like the one that nearly fell to Lafondra, I think that Venti, if he's in that position, I would back him to take a touch and get a shot away. Um, but yeah, the, the that was one of the strangest subs I think I've ever seen. And then whilst we were on it, and um, we also got a message in from who sent it. Um, just Gadget thought said, "Why did he take Mariah Welsh off? What does Venti have to do to get ninety minutes as a centre forward and forward? And why does Neil Warnock look like a scarecrow?" And um, so backing breaking those things down, why did he take Mariah Welsh off? Was was he fatiguing? I, I thought he had another really good game. Uh, sort of, I'm assuming it's fatigue. I mean, I get, they monitor them and all the rest of it, so I'm sure that they can see that there's a, a downturn in his energy or whatever, and then that's it, they just make the change. We should, But we should be in a position now, and if you look at that bench, it's still a really strong bench. I'm all for players being absolutely knackered and getting pulled off after, like, not pulled off, obviously, Trent's, but uh, taken off after, you know, 70, 80 minutes, and we've got quality to come on that makes a difference, right? So that's what we've always wanted. You want players absolutely knocking their pan in, coming off after 70 minutes, and the player that comes on is just as good or even better, so you can get that full 90 minutes at your team. So, yeah, he, he was clearly fatiguing, because he's for me, he's, he's been exceptional in the games that he's played up to now. And then, Liam, you can, uh, we've kind of covered off Venti. We don't really understand why he's not getting started as a centre-forward, um, but why does Neil Warnock look like a scarecrow? Oh, man, I'm not... I'm not. I'm not having a taking shots at a seventy-five-year-old man's looks. I don't think that's fair. Um, that's that. That's it. That is. The, there's a bit of ageism going on there. But all I'll say is that uh, people that were in favour of Brexit will reap what they sow. Um, and then, do you want to mention the manslaughter thing? I, I thought mm. that was quite a funny comment from him in the post-game interview. It's just nah, just, 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 just absolutely fucking ludicrous. This is the thing with Neil Warnock, right? And I'm going to get on my horse a wee bit about this, but Neil Warnock has built a reputation through being a personality rather than his ability in the game. Yes, he's done a good job at some of the clubs he's been at, but he's had a fair few relegations on his CV and his win ratio at some of the clubs he's been at is pretty atrocious. I, I yes, he is a bit of a personality, but he is also just a bit of a fud as well. And some of his comments after the game, even in the few games he's been managing so far, are just... Just a bit embarrassing, really, to be honest. A 75-year-old guy who's quite out of touch. Um, and then mo moving moving on, we've obviously covered the Hibs goals there. So let's talk about the absolute disaster classes that were the two Aberdeen goals. Um, so the first one, it seems to be a common thing in recent weeks where we give away a stupid foul um, deep in our half that results in a free kick. And then second phase of play, it ends up breaking in the box and the opposition team score. Um First, first, it was quite a big discussion in group chats. Do we think Marshall could have done better with the Miofsky shot, or do you think it's a good save? Personally, it would be ideal for him to not put the ball in the middle of the box, but aware that it's Miofsky, so you do want to just make yourself big. Dave, you're chuckling. No, it's just that, because I, I, obviously we were, I think we were in the same chat. Yeah. So uh, so there was that thing about, oh, you should be padding the ball around the post and all this kind of stuff, or out wide, and 
I think it's easy to say that if you're not the goalie and the ball's coming at you, I would rather just catch it to be honest. But uh, but you know we kind of everything. I think that the problem with that goal is it's just another basic over the top. And Aberdeen score loads of goals like that, especially with Mayovsky and all the rest of it. It's all just balls over the top. Newell just kind of gets caught under it a wee bit because initially I thought it was fish. Then I watched it back I think yesterday or something, and it's and it's Newell that's kind of caught, kind of watching it go over the shoulder kind of thing, and the guy just gets in front. Once he gets that shot off. He's like, what is he, about three, four yards away for the keeper when he hits something? He's not nah. he's not out. So you're just getting anything on it. And there's no way you can then direct that shot to, to safety. So it's just, you know, your, your only luck, your only hope there is that one of the centre backs has, has followed it in and cleared it, but unfortunately they didn't. See what made that funny, Dave, is uh, when when that was being defended, like the for the martial perspective. So someone saying he was at full stretch. So in my opinion, there's when you're a goalie at full stretch, you can't palm it away. Like that that's just it's just fucking the laws of physics, right? But then about five, ten minutes later, Mackenzie runs through and go and hits one right at him and he fucking pammed that straight back out into the danger area. And I'm like, come on, Marshall, like we're fucking trying to defend you here. And then you just go and do that. It was it was not good. Like that was not good. That was like goalkeeping one on one, what not to do is what he did from the the Mackenzie shot later on, just basically pammed it right back out into the danger area. But I think that's it. I mean, we're, we're watching a guy who, let's be honest, if he, if he was milk, he'd be a couple of weeks past the sell-by date. He'd be smelling sour and he'd be lumpy. Um, he was once a good goalkeeper, but he, he is done, really, at this level. And we do need someone better in next season. To be honest, you know, if we finish bottom six, actually, one of the good things we might get from that is we might be able to just fling someone else in goals the last five games and give them a try and see whether or not they're good for the next season. And I'm just before we move on to the next goal, another player I was going to mention just to get you guys' thoughts. Um, Siebel Slice, also, what a guy, um, also sent in a question saying, how big a worry is big nectarine or is there no enough sample size? Bingo. Um, so breaking it down, for the first goal, was was he a bit late for the offside trap? Um, back post, or do you think that that was just naturally coming out? Because he was a good few yards behind everybody else, but I just think it was naturally pushing out. I did see a few shouts on Twitter saying that he should have been faster. And then you both seem to not really care about that. But what do you think of him so far? I, th- I think that he's had a bit of a, a hard start. I think two penalties that were a bit dubious given against him. And I think his overall play hasn't been that bad. I think on the ball, you can see at times what he can bring. But yeah, what are you guys making of him? Liam, you cringed when I said you can see what he can bring on the ball. At parts, I think he's playing because he's quick. Um, I think on the ball, he's Okay. I don't think he's any better than Rocky in possession. Actually, maybe worse than Rocky in possession. Um, he seems to like a diag. Um, he's not very good at them, as a as a as an issue. Um, he looks to me like a guy who's not played a huge amount of football, uh, senior football, and he's been kind of thrown in because we've had to experience. Look, there's a better. Like, you, you know, I'm not have to convince Dave of this argument, but there was a better centre half sitting on the bench um, who could have played on Saturday. Um, I. I, I I don't really see the value in persisting with a 20, 21-year-old guy who's only going to be with us to the end of the season unless he's making the team better. And for me, he's not making the team better at the moment. Dave? Uh, it's, it's it's early days, right? And it is the the, the classic sample size that Liam likes to talk about, right? So he's only played, what, three games or something, right? Now, and he has... Some of his play has been all right. Uh, I don't know if I would agree with the... Not as good as the ball as as Rocky because I can't think of many defenders that are as sketchy on the ball as Rocky is. To be honest, so he's done some decent stuff on the ball. I've noticed, and he has made mistakes. And I think that's a lot, as you say, it's maturity, and it's not even maturity in age; it's maturity in number of games, as you as you mentioned, right? Uh, if we're not going to keep him, then I kind of agree with you. We shouldn't be playing him in all all these, especially if we end up bottom six, right? If we end up bottom six, and there, there is no point playing him for the rest of the season, uh, we need to either, you know. To be fair, to make sure we don't get fucking relegated, we need to be playing Paul Hanlon. So you've got a bit of maturity in the back line. It's it's what's that's what's worrying me most about the back line just now. You if you take away a beta, it's very young and it's very inexperienced, right? And a lot of our goals lost are down to just daft mistakes. And that's you know, for all people used to say that Paul Hanlon isn't a leader, well, I tell you what, Fish had the best part of his time when he was playing next to Paul Hanlon. He was a different player to what he is right now when he's playing next to either, you know, the the but next to Nectar, or if he ends up next to Rocky next week, as people are now suggesting, right? That's that's chaos for me. They need somebody that's actually running that that back four, and I don't think they have that just now. 
Fisher's had his only good spell at the club when he's been playing next to Hanlon. Like he hasn't had any good period really, other than the second half of last season. And he does get and a bit was, of a card, doesn't he? He was he was signed on the reputation of what he brought last season rather than the reality of him as a football player. I think to be honest, he, he he's been okay in spells this season, but he's been a very struggling to remember many more underwhelming loan signings the second time round. Maybe Mark McNulty. Stefano Meonga, someone like that that you brought in alone who's not been anywhere near as good the second time to come back. And actually the idea with a young player like that is they should really be better in the second spell because they should have developed during the first spell. But he's he's been low-key a very, very poor player this season. For Not very poor, that's my bit harsh. He's been a poor player this season for Ibs. I think he's definitely went through spells of being really poor. Like Remember the first like six games of the season, nearly every goal was directly because of him making a mistake or being out of position. Um, he, I, I think he definitely had a good spell when Montgomery first came in. I, th- I think he definitely improved. Um, but speaking he's, of- he's been he's been an ever present in a team that's conceded forty one goals in twenty five games this season. Like, <laughs> so I mean, to say anything other than subpar would be kind. I think. You know, you you look at across who, who no one's played more minutes than him. I wouldn't have thought defensively this season. I don't think there's any player across the back four, back five that have played more minutes um, since he's come in. So he, he is. I think just to be balanced. I think because he does seem to get a bit of a free ride. I think he needs to be criticised. Like, yeah, because that that second goal um, as a centre back, you can't touch the ball twice, then panic and lose where the ball is. Then the other centre back come in and not take control of the situation that was one of the most that's the most calamitous Hibs defender I've seen since the Livy goal when they beat us 3-0 at Easter Road and Paul Hanlon and whoever was the other centre-back were fighting over the ball I think it was Porteous were fighting over the ball um, but that that second goal was just nothing short of embarrassing was it um, would you say there's any argument to drop both centre-backs bring in Rocky and Hanlon I saw that on on the forums I think I saw it on .net actually somebody was saying I just get rid of both of them I think the and as much as I'm saying we need to bring Paul back, my concern is that he's not fit because he, he hasn't been playing and he was properly ill. So he had a, a viral uh, infection and uh, lost, I think, close to a stone in weight when he was when he was sick. So he's been really, really unwell. So I don't know how close to actually getting a full, a proper game out of him. Uh, so if you were going to bring him in, you know, we should have enough to beat Dundee without having to bring Paul Hanlon in, right? So, I could see him bringing Rocky in. And just because of the way he's talking about Rocky all the time, as if he's come back some conquering hero from the, the AFCON, you know? And he's like, oh, superb to get him back. It's great for the squad. Well, I think he will definitely play. And I think it'll be in, instead of Fish. So, we will see at the weekend. And but if you- I don't think he'll play Hanlon because he doesn't, it, he wants Hanlon out of the club, so... And if you're watching on YouTube, please take notes of Liam and Dave's faces as I ask this question. Um, what about bringing Stevenson at left-back and putting a beta back to centre-back after his performance against Rangers? That, is that a natural question from somebody on Twitter? Or no, I just wanted to see your reaction to it when I, when I asked it. It would just speak to how beautifully imbalanced this squad is if with five centre-backs at the club, we decided to play a left-back at left-centre-back. Uh, so that we've effectively got six centre backs to choose from. I mean, the other the wild card in this is the boy Owen Bevan, who I think was probably the most promising of all the sort of centre backs, all two of the centre backs who signed in January. But I, I believe he signed injured and is not fit and ready to play yet. Uh, he, he sounds here yet. I just he's down. He's down there still getting recovered. Right. He he sounds like physically anyway. He sounds like the sort of athletic centre half that Montgomery would want. Um, I don't know whether or not um, you know he would come straight into the, the the team. Presumably not this weekend, but at some point in the near future. Because the fuck's the point in signing someone in the January transfer window if they're not available till March? Like, doesn't help us. Yeah. Hey. And um, yeah. In in terms of other talking points, people sent in about um. I, I think we have to mention Paul McKay uh, said, "How is it not a penalty? Why are the club not calling us out from the rooftops?" Um. So initially, if you'd seen my tweet, I deleted it since because I did realize it was a bad tweet. My point was, it was um, a shocker. I was so, an old, I was yeah, an old timer. Like, so, yeah. It was really so, bad. When I when I'd first seen it, I thought that it like glanced off him. So I thought it was like I didn't think it was as much impact. But then when I watched it back and saw that he literally moved his arm. I realised it was a shocker. Um, yeah, it is, it is just 
VAR's just not been Hibbs' friend at all this season, has it? And if you look at like the penalty away to St. Murren that they didn't have to give, the penalty at home to St. Murren that they didn't have to give, the penalty against Celtic, again, soft, second penalty, debatably soft, like... We've conceded eight penalties this season and only got two. And last year, I, the one thing that Johnson moaned about and I actually thought he was vindicated in was how much he hated VAR because it did seem to consistently screw us. Um, there's there's just no excuse in that decision um, for the not going to penalty there, is there? So I think I think that's the first time. You know that referee watch, I think it's called Wraith Watcher and it's on Sky. Uh, right? <laughs> I think that's the first time ever that the guy has actually said, uh, they're they're just very lucky there. They've got away with that one. So and nine times out of ten, he'll somehow stick up for the referee and say, ah, well, this rule means that and all the rest of it, right? He just went, no, that's just lucky. That was it. That was his whole input to it. So it's clear as day to anybody watching that that's a penalty. And how it can go to bar and not be given a penalty is just, you know, people should be getting sacked for that. I mean, that's their job. They're getting paid a day rate to sit in a shed somewhere on the M8, right? And watch it and slow it down and watch it and see the movement and still say, nah, it's not a penalty. Just sack them. They shouldn't be doing, like, girls under eight football. So bad. I've, and I think that's part of the problem with VAR seems to be is the VAR has to have seen that and realised the referee's made a mistake, but is confused as to why the referee's not giving it in the first place because it's so fucking obvious. And then there's like the Spider-Man meme where the two of them point at each other, like, no really can what, what to do next. It's just... It's just so. I've, I, I, I've never actually. I, I don't think I've ever seen something that obvious as well since VR has been introduced. Where I'm like, I'm absolutely convinced that like, I, I could have gone away and made myself a cup of tea with a two three minute check on and be absolutely certain that I was coming back to watch a penalty. I could not believe. I, I, I still can't fathom to this day how that's not been given. It's just it, it's the most stonewall stonewall thing you'll see. I don't know how you could... The only way it could possibly be more stonewall if he'd actually used his hand to slap it down. Caught it. Caught it. Caught it. There you go. Got it. Well, given even, the new fad, he probably would have palmed it away, Dave, wouldn't he have caught it? Because <laughs> he didn't even get the ref to go over and look at it as well. Like, yeah. It's, he would... At the minute the ref goes to look at it, he's going to give it. Uh, that's the thing. Like, a referee on the pitch with the benefit of seeing that and having been sent over to the monitor, he's obviously going to give it. But it should... That, it should I just, I just fucking, I don't even know. Eh? Did we even find out who was on VAR? Because you normally get told who's working VAR that day for us and all that kind of stuff. I've not did seen I, that. Did I hear it was David Dickinson? I'm sure I read or heard it was David Dickinson. So, the um, furniture guy. Fuck's sake. I, the former bargain presenter. <laughs> like getting him to um, uh, the VAR room. I, I reckon he's uh, he's almost definitely a hun based on his skin colour. Eh? And um, is it is it something on Paul's point? Is it something that you think the club should have like publicly put a statement out, being like we're trying to get answers on it, or is it just something we kind of have to accept with VAR being here? What did did Monty say anything after the game? He was quite weak on it, to be honest. Uh, he, he, he said, like, "I think they've given up." Uh he was quite weak on it. He did say at the end, he said it was fine. There was, I can't remember his exact, his exact words, but he basically he. he he sort of went over it like without really mentioning it, and then at the very end, he sort of snuck it in to say, "Oh yeah, and I think we should have been given a penalty." And it was a bit like you could have been a lot stronger than that. I just think generally as a club, like you know, I'd probably every fan thinks about this club. I, th I generally think we let things happen to us far too often without making a fuss about it. I always come back to it, but the the Jack Ross um, interview after Porteous sending off Ibrox, he was he wasn't strong enough there for me, and it's just a it's a we just seem to be far too accommodating of people making mistakes and getting things wrong. And actually, I think we should probably have more of a strong stance on it. You know, some of the other stuff that um, has been covered by other people, I won't, I won't go on length and detail about. But some of the sort of fan behaviour and stuff at Easter Road that we just seem to let happen, for example, I just think far too often we just we're just a pushover. Um, and I would like to see us be more vocal about these things. I'd like to see the manager be more vocal about it and the players be more vocal about it. You've got Warnock in his press conference talking about fucking manslaughter uh, and talk, calling us a team full of divers when the, you know, the the most blatant decision of the day has gone in his team's favour and we're just allowing that to happen. Like, why, is, why, why are we not putting someone out to do an interview? Why not even just put a player out who we don't even give a fuck about them being suspended and just tell them what to say and just say, aye, we were cheated out of three points or cheated out a penalty today. Why not? I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Jared doing the press conference tomorrow. <laughs> I'd fucking love that, man. <laughs> 15 game ban. 
Oh god. Um because even after the Dundee Aberdeen game got cancelled, there was it their general manager, I think it was. I can't remember the guy's role. Uh, he mm. he went on a massive rant afterwards talking about how incompetent it was from the SFA and how they needed to get better processes and and it was, was Tony Dockery as well. Oh, was it? Tony oh, yeah, Dockery no, as yeah, well. He, he had the uh, as well, yeah, yeah. Um but that, that's what you want to see from your club, like when you know that you've been wronged and it's like there's proof of it. And seeing the next bloody update from the BBC when they've been like, Oh, we've invet- we've got an individual uh independent uh, panel to see if all the VR decisions are correct. Hibs better be on it, because apparently Hibs haven't had anything go wrong against us this season. Yeah. Well, aye. well, there's there's well, one. Yeah, I think just to clarify, the remit of that independent panel was only decisions where VARs intervened. Uh... So they, they made the remit so narrow that actually they were only looking at things where VAR had already intervened to see whether or not they were correct. So incidents like that wouldn't come up because they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have said that was a VAR intervention. I don't think because although it was checked, it wasn't it wasn't reviewed by the on pitch referee. Is my understanding? I might be wrong, but it felt to me like the whole thirteen decisions thing was 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 was, was had to be very narrow because I can think of at least fourteen decisions against Hibs this season that have been incorrect, not subjective, just incorrect. Just just get rid of it. Get rid of it completely. Right, that's the only way forward. We don't have the referees to, to run it properly, right? If we don't have the personality to put a system in place, you don't put the system in. Simple as that, right? Hundred percent. We don't 100%. have them. And then you uh, watch that. You watch the championship game on the on the Friday night, a cracking game of football. And there was, you know, the referees errors on on both sides. But compared to a game that's fully VAR and getting stopped every five minutes, it's just a much better spectacle. So get rid of it. And so David Dickinson can go and sit in his sunbed at the weekend rather than sitting <laughs> in a wee chair at MA. Do you know? Do you know the problem? I think Scott Miller tweeted it last week. Um, a big part of the problem is guys like you got guys like Craig Napier training the next generation of referees. Oh, that right. guy is an absolute fraud. Like how he has got to the top of refereeing in this country, he is dreadful. Every decision, every game he's at the time he's refereed the Hibs game, he's made two or three glaring errors, like glaring errors, right in fr- the 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 Jago one and the Sir Johnston one, the, se- the season previous that happened right in front of him. He didn't call it right. Like if you've got him training the next generation, we might as well just 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 pack it in, just pack it in, just just get I don't know, get some monkeys fed in Brazil to come and start refereeing the games because they'll be better than that lot. Okay. And um, just before we wrap up on the Aberdeen game, I've got a few more talking points, but just wanted to see if there was any particular strong performances that you guys wanted to shout about. Um. I want to give another props to Martin Boyle. I think he's looked really on it the last couple of games. I think he just looks naturally better when he's out wide. Um, yeah, I, I think Martin Boyle's one of probably the most exciting player to watch at the club when he's on form. Like every time he got the ball at the weekend, I just thought he was going to do something. Um, Liam has given me a look as if to say that's very wrong. Um, who would you say no at one, the moment has given us no, more exciting moments than Martin Boyle? I there's no one at the club that's better to watch than Elie Mm-hmm. The, un- the unpredictability of Elian is is makes him the best player. But the only player that maybe hold a candle to him is Marcondes in terms of excitement because you don't really know. Marcondes is still kind of quite new and interesting. But Elian, and like he frustrates the fucking life out of everybody. But when he's when he's on it, he's just, ah, he's he's just so good. Like isn't he's 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 actually no played well this season, and his numbers are the best in the team. Well, as I say, I love Mark Bond. I think he's very exciting to watch. It's just, I think it's the sheer speed of him. Like, see, when he, as soon as the ball got slotted through and he was just on it like a flash, it was just class. There was one point in the second half as well, I think Triantis put a ball that was a bit overhit and then Martin Boyle still managed to make I just love Martin Boyle I just want him to be great again, that's all. Um, Dave, was there any particular um, positives from the weekend that you would take forward? Listen, there was, there was flashes of good stuff. Right, all through the game, and that's been that's been the same in the last, I would say, let's say two or three games. I think it's it's coming together. Uh, we just didn't make enough of the opportunities we had, and we probably could have done with making a few more opportunities. I just, what, what was listening to this morning? Oh, the the other podcast, uh, and they were saying there was something like twenty seven shots or something from Aberdeen, and and you know, and they were they were saying they couldn't remember. I couldn't remember anything near that. I can't remember them having anything close to that. It certainly felt like it was a very 50-50 game, right? And it was end-to-end of points, and then we had a chance, they had a chance. Unless they had like five or six shots every time they went up. But it didn't seem like that at all. But as far as performances, I thought Obita was was, was good again. I think, for me, Obita's probably uh, player of the year at the moment. 
just for consistency. He's had a couple of dodgy, dodgy games here and there, but he's he's generally a, a seven out of ten guy most weeks. And for me, that that kind of gets you player of the year. To be honest, it's not just you know six assists and four goals or whatever. You know, there has to be has to be something that's putting in something solid week after week. And I think that's that for him. That's the the main player for me this season. But I still think uh, Mariah Welsh will be the player of the year because he's going to be just brilliant in the last ten or ten or twelve games. At least he's at least he's permanent as well, eh? Because the amount of times we get a gem like that halfway through a season, then we have to let them go. So the fact we've got one of is it a two and a half year deal from when we signed him? Oh, some guy claimed it was one point eight million we signed him for. No bad hey. for, the, for a team that owns half of us or something. <laughs> and Liam, any, anything any positives or or negatives we didn't cover uh, from the game? Eh. Uh... I don't think we'll talk about negatives because yeah. I don't. I, we've covered it anyway. <laughs> I, we've, I've probably been negative enough as as so far. Um, I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm struggling a wee bit for for for, for positives or anything in the starting eleven. I, I think the only thing I would say is Malida's probably given us a different option that I didn't expect to have in that nine position, and I do think Lafondra getting back on the pitch again could 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 help us in games where it's quite tight and we just need someone to come on and give us something a bit different, come and occupy a diff- sort of different space from the other forwards that we've got on the pitch because Melida's more going to sort of stretch defenders. Lafondra maybe drop into that space. I don't know. I just think the options and the you touched on it earlier on, Harry, I think the bench just getting that wee bit stronger as well is going to help us the next, hopefully, next couple of months because the games are, you know, coming pretty steady at us between now and the end of March so I think those are positives sort of hopeful positives hey. and then um, just a few more comments from the our listeners and we put out a tweet saying uh, give us your talking points and Michael Moore said bug shite um, Leon Russell said dropped points again Malk said amazed our VR decision went our way I'm assuming he's referring to the Marshall punch uh, um, that one and the one that was offside by the by the linesman, then we were given it. So, but that was. I was, that's, I was that's so surprised that was given. To be honest, just need to draw a line, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then what you got? Kevin Wilson said, "Season is all but over. Top six ain't happening. Only a matter of time before the manager's sacked." Um, I think that's yeah, a bit. Kevin's actually, normally a pretty positive guy yeah. as well. It's quite <laughs> Ke- Kevin is normally quite a positive guy, so I'm quite surprised he's 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 obviously feeling it at the moment. I think uh, after a defeat, it can be quite difficult. Well, not a defeat, but kind of what a point from a game that was kind of verging on must win that does feel a bit difficult. Um, but I do think Kevin's a reflection of the fan base. Like I think there's there's a lot of people who don't really want to see this project if you want to call it a project through there's a lot of people who would just quite happily cut ties now um, and there's a lot of people who are somewhere in the middle sort of waiting to be convinced and then there's other people who are maybe kind of just I suppose in a pragmatic sense I want to stick with it but I do I do I do I do think he needs to start winning games to get the fans back on side his record is five wins out of 21 that's just n- not good it's just not good like it doesn't take even with the number of draws that we've got in there part of that record it's nowhere near enough then on the flip side of that, Dave, Andrew Brown sent in, how do you see the season panning out? Are we capable of putting a run together to get anywhere near the top six? Yes, starting this week. This weekend. Beat Dundee. Uh, let's be like, if we beat Dundee and we've got Ross County twice, eh? mm-hmm. and Levy as well. Right? Beat mm-hmm. Ross County twice, beat Levy twice. If we, if we win those four games, we come top six. Aye. Right? And that's, that's the, I've always said to everyone that asked me, you just beat the bottom six teams time after time, and you'll end up in the top four. Unfortunately, we've not fucking done that most of the season. So now, get your finger out, play your best 11, and, and beat those four teams in those four games, and then you're safe and you're happy, and everyone feels a lot happier. We get another uh, Jambos game at home, and you move on and get ready for next season. Um, there's there's one flaw in Dave's plan. Can I just say plan? We don't beat bottom six teams. Like We, we stopped doing that. After we sat Jack Ross, we don't beat bottom six teams. Like we, we just don't. Like we, we, we pick up team points sometimes against the teams that are around us, but we never beat teams at the bottom six at home. Really, when we're expected to win, like there's just so many times this season where we've games where we just we just should have won. Like two two. I can't keep going back to it. Two up at home against Ross County. Aye. Like 
uh, you just can't afford in this league to not win those games when you're in that position. Um, even the game away at Kelly in his first game, like the number two, two you talked about number two two draws at the top of the episode, Harry. Loads of those are from winning positions where we've been two 0 or two one up as well, which is just the most frustrating part of the season, I think, for me. Yeah. And then um, I, I think one thing that we've not like harked on about, and it was months ago now, but I said at the time the game away to Ross County, like that felt for me like it could have been a massive momentum swing. We'd obviously been on a bit of a dry patch in terms of scoring, never mind getting points. Um, but then just before Hearts, I was like, you know, we could go up to County, play against the Ross County team that have since sacked their manager. They were that bad. Um, and I just think that would have been a really good start. And then if you score two or three goals up there, get a bit of confidence going into the derby, that could have been a very different game. Um, but hopefully, as you say, we can beat those guys twice and we can get back on back in the swing of things. Um, but just a, another a final few comments. Keith Robertson said, should be winning against Aberdeen, but we're unbeaten at Patology this season. Far both screwed and rescued us. What were the officials on? Defending issues persist. Good to see Mark Condes on the score sheet. Archie Meldrum said, in midfield and attack, we look the strongest we've been in a long time. However, in defence, we are hopeless and the January window hasn't made it any better. Would you agree that we look the strongest we've been in a long time in terms of midfield and attack? I would probably say midfield. That is a long time. Yeah. Tr- wait, wait. How many years are we talking? Aye. Um, he, he just put a long time, so we're going to have to quantify it. When, when was the last time you, when was the last midfield that you would say is better than the three that we started at the weekend, I suppose, because that's the only one that he's able to point to? You just started. I yeah, so start- Mariah, Welsh, Levitt, and Newell. I wouldn't have started that three, so I don't think they're the, the three best in the uh, in the squad right now. So, uh, oh, you're going back from the, if you include Macondes as, as the third one, right? Take out Levitt, which is what I would do. Right, because you've got to fit McCondes in there somehow. Mm-hmm. Then you're, I think you're going back to the the, the days of McGinn and all that. To be honest, that's a, that's a strong three. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's really, oh, really good. Aye, that's really good. Sorry, you were going to say something. Dude. No, I'm just going to be you. It is really good. So why would we win any more fucking games? Is what you're thinking? Huh? No, I've, I I look at it and I, just, I I keep looking at it and I just go like. The eleven players and people were disagreeing with me on Twitter. I look at the eleven players. I have one or two that I'm mm-hmm. not a massive fan of. But like, when are you ever a massive fan of all eleven players that are starting and think, oh, they're all great? Every time you have squad, you go, ah, well, those eight or nine are brilliant. But you know, maybe that two or three I would change. I look at a team in the weekend. I didn't really see a massive amount of weakness in it. But you put on the pitch, and it's it's not good. Like it isn't good. We we, we defensively are, are suspect. Um. Going forward, we're still not exactly scintillating. You know, it's not like we had loads of chances of our own away at Aberdeen. I know that's not a place where we typically create loads of chances, but I like that midfield. I would, I would, I agree, David. I'd take Levitt out. Uh, I'd play Marcondes, or I'd maybe on occasion play Amos in a game where we were expected to maybe have less of the ball. Yeah. But that that team sh- that should be probably the best midfield outside Celtic and Rangers. On here. Um, but speaking of uh, what the manager should be doing, Neil Henderson sent in, why do most Hibs fans slash football fans think they know more about coaching and managing than qualified coaches and managers? <laughs> You're talking to the wrong fucking people, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting question. It's into know a your audience. Deal, my friend. Know yeah. your audience. <laughs> Albeit some of us know more about it than others, uh, depending on who you listen to, of course. <laughs> No, there's 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 uh, there's a lot of experts uh, near where I sit. There, there used to be one more expert near where I sat. Uh, thankfully, we've got rid of that expert now. But um, the uh, there is a lot of uh, a lot of difference of opinion. I think at the moment in the Hibs fan base, from fan to fan, um, I just think it's. It's part and parcel of the game, isn't it? Like, just everybody wants to, everyone wants to have their say. Uh, and we're, again, like, we're just a reflection of that. Like, we all think we've got an opinion, we want to share it. We all think we could probably do better. In reality, we couldn't. I, th- I think there's times where, like, I reckon when Lee Johnson was manager, I always said, I reckon there was a good, like, 12,000 Hibs fans that would go to the games week on week that could pick a better starting 11 than he could. Um, but, and Dave, you probably agree with that. A bit of Johnson bashing opportunity for you if you want it. I could. I'd certainly have done a lot better than Lee Johnson. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, even just look across the city. You're, well, Naismith doesn't even have a sea license yet, does he? <laughs> he's not got his 25 year swimming badge either right? yeah, real. <laughs> right. can't even pick up one of those white plastic bricks with the bottom of the pool probably so, uh, <laughs> listen there's a there's, uh, our current manager knows more about football than anyone on this podcast or anyone in any forum will ever know Right? he's a UEFA pro takes a shed load of fucking work to get through the UEFA pro so I think we should just uh, sit back and let him get on with his job Oh, but we're still going to moan anyway. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and then, obviously, this week, as first question, is it possible to have the biggest game of the season six weeks in a row? Because I feel that I've said it every single week, and it does feel like a massive game every single time Hibs are out there. I know, as Greg likes to say, every game for Hibernian Football Club is a massive football game. Um, but it does feel like this one's massive. Playing Dundee at home, Dave, uh, the season, it does feel like if we lose this, it might kind of pop I think if we lose this, then top six is looking very, very dodgy. Right? I think you could possibly draw it, and there's still a chance, because, again, if we beat Ross County twice and beat Levy, then you could still get up there. But you really need... He, he does need a win, right? And I'm saying that as somebody who wants him to stay and all the rest of it. Like, he does need a win. So a, a good... Uh, a decent result against Dundee, who are a good, hard-working team. Like, Doherty's probably managed the year for me. Like, he's he's got them... At times playing some good stuff and they're relatively hard to beat. Uh, and for the budget, he's on. I think he's done a, a, a pretty good job. Uh, some of it can be sometimes industrial, but that's based on who he's obviously been alongside for most of his career as well. So, yeah, I'll 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 take a, a decent win and a clean sheet. Thank you very much. And I'll go home happy. It's my birthday on Saturday as well. So I'm absolutely certain we're going to win quite convincingly. Oh, no, Here's potential... Something. Potential birthday disasters are on the cusp, and also I'm 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 subbing out from mainland Europe. I'm actually going to be there for the first time in a while as well. So looking yes. forward to an Easter road return myself. So apologies, Dave. I'm probably going to bring the the. You, so you, you imagine I get three games in a weekend, Harry? Of course, mate. Why do you think I planned brilliant, it like that? Brilliant, three games in a week. Smart. My man. Hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, they, they've obviously gave a bit of a, um insight into Doherty. What do you make of Dundee this season, Liam? Obviously, I think I had, to, I had them tipped to go straight back down because it tends to be what they do. Um, uh, but I think they've done pretty well. I didn't have them tipped to go back down, actually, this season. And I, I normally would. Um, I thought the recruitment in the summer was smart, to be honest. They signed pretty good players for this level, the ones, or at least the ones we knew about, guys like Joe Shaughnessy, Ricky Lamy. Um, like, they looked to be quite actually for a change quite functioning um, which is unusual for Dundee I, 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 the two games I've seen them against us have not been particularly impressed um, but the results against the rest of the league have been good the 0-0 game at Easter Road we should have battered them that should have been 3 or 4 nothing. Um the 2-2 game up there I thought we were the better side for the most part but again we let ourselves kind of we just we sort of just let them come back into it because we didn't keep the foot on the pedal uh, against them. So the games against us have not been that impressed, but clearly the results against the rest of the league have been good. So the the other twenty three games or whatever they've played this season, they've probably been a lot better than the two games they've played against us. So I just I don't really know what to make of them. In, in all honesty, I think they're probably a team that feels like to me they'll just miss out in the top six, and that's probably about their level based on the quality of squad that they've got. And Dave, they just about miss out on the top six. I know a, a nice wee team in green that can fit in there. Yeah? That's that's what we're want to hear now. That they just <laughs> miss out because we need them to just about miss out on top six. Uh, I, I think Liam's Liam's covered off, and that's the thing. They they weren't great against us, but they they have done what we're supposed to do, which is beat all the other teams around them. So you know, and they've also got a couple of results against some of the the higher up teams as well. I think over the season, so he's he's doing something right. Sweet. And then last thing ahead of the game before predictions, just building the team. Um, if we're just going to assume that everybody that we've got in the squad is fit, um, what changes would you guys see um, come in? In terms of midfield, definitely Marcondes and for Levitt. Defensively, what change would you like to see, if any? What What would I like to see or what would I think we'll see? Give, give me both. Give me what you'd like first thing. Give me what you think. Uh, if Paul Hanlon is properly fit, then I would play them, but uh, that's up for them to check. We we have no idea if that's the case or not, right? So I would play him, and I would probably play him and Fish, because I think Fish is a better player when he plays next to him. And that's really just because I don't think Rocky's very good, to be quite honest. Uh, and, and I'm not going to change your mind about that. He'd have to have a five or six really good games for me to start thinking he's, he's a footballer. I don't, I don't think he is. 
Uh, and I think the rest of the team probably picks itself because that's the only... I think that's the... McCondy, as you say, we go back to... And I'll just... I'll use the formation just to make it easier. Do we go back to a 4-2-3-1, right? Because McCondy has to play in a 4-2-3-1 for me. He's no good chasing shadows all around the pitch. Uh, play him there, linking up to the striker. Aye, that'd be it for me. Same team as, as the weekend, apart from those couple of changes. And Liam, any any chance of Venti getting back in from the start, or just keep well, Wallacott might play it. Wallacott I, might, yeah. yeah. That occurred to me. Like I, I do, I do think, uh, I, I, I do think there's a chance. Even though he didn't get on the weekend, I do think there's a chance Venti could play from the start. It just depends on what he what he wants from his as striker. What I, what I would suggest is I think the Dundee centre halves would probably rather play against Venti than they would against my leader, the type of players and the type of players they are. Um I think they would probably not enjoy as much playing as the guy that's going to spin in behind them. Having said that, I don't know how much space Dundee will actually leave in behind them because if I remember rightly, when they played the Easter Road, I think they sat very deep for quite long spells of the game and actually sort of forced us to play through. So just to have, I think it really just depends on the setup and what type of game what what type of Dundee team we're going to be up against, but I would agree with Dave. I'd play Marcondes, goalie. Yeah, see what happens with the goalie. I don't think there's really any other changes there to be made other than bring Hanlon in for Triantis. Montgomery's not going to do that though. Like I, I think oh. if he's going to bring in anyone, he'd bring Rocky in and play him alongside Fish. Um, that would probably give me just about as many worries as it gives me watching the current two pairings. So I really, I really don't, I really don't mind who he plays centre back if Hanlon's not going to play. I'm just kind of agnostic about it. So yeah, I, I just like centre centre half's a problem. Like it is a, is a, is a problem. I think no matter who you put there, because we didn't really properly address it in January. Or in the summer, or the January before, or the summer before, or the January, and on and on. Um, <laughs> and then just finally on the Dundee game, um, give me predictions. Liam, we'll come to you first. What do you think the score is going to be? Who's going to be our heroes? We're definitely going to concede. I'm going to go 3 2, maybe a change attack. I'm going for 2 1 a lot recently. It's no come in. So I think we're going for 3 2. I score in. We are, uh, we are no no team in the league has been involved in more over 2.5 goals this season. So you want a wee bet, and the price is decent, over 2.5 goals. I think it's come in in nearly 70% of our games this season, which is wild when you think about the price it's on offer. And I think over 3.5 come in 44% of our games this season. Uh, we're, we're second top in the league for over 2.5s and top in the league for over 3.5s. Just, I know we don't really talk about betting very much on this podcast, but you want a wee, wee price, albeit we concede more away from home. Eh, sorry, we concede more at home than we do away from home. And if there's any betting companies out there listening and you want to sponsor a podcast, there's our promo. Aha. Uh, Dave, free to William with stats backing it up. Uh, what do you think the score's going to be? A marathon bet still going. You maybe get sponsored for a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> what's it called? Uh, across our t-shirts. What's the thing? Uh, what was the outside the box? Tom I was about to mention. Oh, that was oh, class. What, <laughs> what about the thing where uh, Dominique Malonga just went to be Edinburgh on the back of a black cab? <laughs> what amazing it's content that was! Eh? The guy that used to do that content was in the Albion Bar a couple of weeks ago. Actually, just up weekend watching the game. Eh? He was in chatting away. Eh? Oh, Tom, Tom Zanelli, that was his name. Oh eh? my! Oh my! He uh, went to a team down. Did he go to a non-league team or something down south? He did something down south, definitely. I thought he went to Spurs. No, I, I think the other not... guy went to Spurs. The other guy that left us last year went to Spurs. Right. No, yeah. I think Tom Zanelli. I think he done like a uh, outside the box equivalent, but with like the whole of non-league. That uh, rings a bell in my head. He did it with somebody down south, definitely. Cause right. I remember. Right. He, he um that the other bit of content that wasn't very good was. Do you remember Fontaine of Knowledge? That was part <laughs> outside the box. <laughs> That was one of the segments. It's class. <laughs> I loved it. Brilliant. Oh, uh, when, when you've got like a, a headline and you just go with it, eh? no matter how shite the content is, we just go with it. That's like our episode titles most weeks, to be fair. One one thing I loved about, I, I love Tangent, sorry. One thing I loved about um, Fontaine of Knowledge is um they had Paul Hamlin on an episode and every time he got a question right, it was the clip of Darren McGregor being like, that's magnificent, Paul, in training. <laughs> and it was just <laughs> so good. Um, But sorry, Dave, you were about to give us a prediction. 2-0 uh, clean sheet. Oh, 
yeah, ignore, ignore the betting advice of that. <laughs> um, so I'll try and find a happy medium. I'll get Davies clean sheet and I'll get Liam his plus 2.5. 3 0 Hibs. Let's do Oh, he's didn't give me scorers. Um, I'll give you Venti, will get one off the bench. And then Martin Boyle will get two because I'm I'm well on board the Martin Boyle hype train, guys. I'm I'm going to keep it rolling. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and then yeah, just just to tune it out, I w- just to end off the episode. Instead of a game, I just wanted to give you a topical discussion that we can chat through before we wrap up. Um, so essentially, if Hibs win this weekend, do we make top six? And do you think Europe is a possibility, or do you think the top six is the best that we can do? Uh, if, if we win this weekend, we will get top six, and we will get Europe, but not through our league placing, because we are always <laughs> going to win the Scottish Cup. Liam, talk to uh, me. What What do you think? If If we win, can we build the momentum to go on and challenge for fifth? Uh, what is it? Eight points between us and St Mirren, and we've got a game in hand, and we've got to play them as well. I do think I do think it's doable. Like I, do, I absolutely think it's doable. I suggest that if it's ten points, have we, have we got a game in hand on Kelly as well? If we've got a game in hand on Kelly, and it's ten points. I suggest that's not out the, the realms. I think the only thing you'd have to look at is the form book, and Kelly are still picking points up most weeks, and are actually looking quite good in doing so. And we are not picking up points most weeks, and not looking good in doing so. So, I would suggest see 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 if we could just find a way to get maybe half a dozen clean sheets between now and the end of the season I think we'd finish fourth Oof. but I don't think we will <laughs> and therefore I think we will I think I, th- I think we'll finish fifth or sixth I don't think we'll finish bottom six despite what I said earlier on I think there's just there, even just on individual quality alone I think we'll have enough to get us to six and I don't think Aberdeen will pick up enough because I think that's the other thing is no one's really talking about Aberdeen their level of points and level of goals and everything is if Aberdeen stitch a run together then you'd have to say they would finish six but they've not really had the sort of usual cliched new manager bounce from a guy whose literal raison d'etre is the new manager bounce he is the embodiment of the new manager bounce he literally gets brought into clubs to just to bounce he looks quite good at doing it as well. Um, and yeah, no, from from my point of view, I, I think it, do, it does kind of hinge on this. Like the Aberdeen game before it, I was like, if we win, it's game on for the season. If we lose, it's game off. If not, then it kind of delays that question again to the next week, which is here now. And if we win, it's game on. And if we don't, then it's game off. But if we draw, then it kind of hinges on the Hearts game. Um, So hopefully we get a win and we can actually get excited for the rest of the season. But one final one for me, if we are to push on and get between fourth to sixth, we're going to have to have goals coming from somewhere. So who do you think will be the main man that's bringing the goals to the team for the rest of the season? Bringing them. Jordan will beat her probably. (laughs) He'll be the one laying them on a plate. He'll be the one bringing them, eh? But anything across that front four is capable of scoring goals now. You know, we've got we've got goals from loads of places on the pitch potentially. So just need to actually fucking do it. You know? I, I heard something someone talking it's a tangent. Someone talking after the St. Johnston Rangers game yesterday. Apparently uh Nicky Clark's their top scorer this season with four goals, right? And like their their top goal scorer the last few seasons has been like Stevie May five, Callum Hendry six, Stevie May four. Like we if, if someone doesn't put together a run of goals for us, we are going to end up finishing the season with LU and seven because the yeah. goals have just been so spread out. We've yeah. not had a consistent goal scorer season. I would just love, I'd love it to be Dylan Venti, to be honest, just between now and the end of the season, just find a way of stitching a run together, scoring goals because he, he, he's got he's got it, he's got it in him to do it. He just needs to get the service. You know, he was missing from the weekend. The, the, the young lad that we got from Sunderland, he wasn't even on the bench, was he? He picked up a knock away at Inverness, did he not? Did he? I think so. I just thought mm. he was there. He would have been another player to bring on instead of you know who, but you know, he wasn't there either, mate. Okay. And then <laughs> Gavin coming back, that's always another bit of energy as well that you can rely on. Wait, I, did only... enjoy, I did enjoy the suggestion that Colin for long bangers would be more effective <laughs> than Chayu. I'm, I'm fully behind that. And I love that somebody <laughs> said that, that, that 40 plus. He's clinging on to that 40 plus. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you know what would be what what kind of left winger Jen Colin would be? Jen could be like the Jen could be like the Lee McCulloch type, like play off the play off the right back, like just back in and try and try and win aerial balls, or Jen could be like knock it in behind type, or I was thinking the byline. Oh, there's that clip of Boris Johnson playing football against some young kid or someone butters him. I think that's kind of what I was thinking. Like he'd be like probably with his gear on as well, <laughs> steamrolling into the <laughs> entire team. Just this literal battering ram running through them. Ah, that would be class. I'd be there to see that. Like, I think, like, if we finish bottom six, I think that's something we should see. Just <laughs> fans on the pitch, like, just just playing because uh, fuck it, be, it'd be entertaining. The fans chief would be great. I think that could be your new centre back, Peter. Do you feel? I think that's pretty much what Livy are doing this season. So. <laughs> Well, that, that uh, seems um, as good a tangent as any to end on. So as we've established this episode, VAR's not very good. Point away at Aberdeen was meh, and we're definitely pumping Dundee at the weekend. And um, Thanks, guys, as always, for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Goodbye. See ya. Yeah.